Welcome to Dunzo. This is a podcast that explores hookups and breakups of famous lovers and friends, both real and fake, and all the discarded pop culture of yesteryear. I'm your host, Troy McKeady. You guys, welcome to this new and exciting episode of Dunzo, Justin and Selena Part 4, and that's right, the last and final part of Justin and Selena Gomez. We are finally done. (laughs) After a month, I am finally able to put this to rest. I know that you guys are very, very hungry for a, uh, a Justin and Haley episode. I've gotten a lot of DMs. <laughs> I get it. But listen, hear me out. I'm going to do it, of course. I'm excited to do it. I'm all like, especially right now, like I'm, I just took 20 fucking pages of notes. I'm all jazzed up. I can't wait to get to it. But I need a break. <laughs> I need a break from Justin Bieber. I just need a moment. Literally like a week, maybe two weeks. I would love to take a little a little tiny sabbatical and then come back. You know what I mean? Fresh and renewed with a new perspective. Um, also, there's a bunch of like Haley and Justin content that I need to like watch. I haven't watched his documentary because I've been saving it for doing this so I figured I would just wait and uh, I don't know I just I don't want to do it right now I've been talking about Justin Bieber for a month and by the way the whole point of me rebranding this podcast was to like you know dive into new content and like maybe it wasn't the best time for me to choose to do Justin and Selena because I just I've been doing this now for a month as I keep saying And I've got some just fun, exciting new things that I want to tell you about that I'm doing. I've got one coming up very shortly that I'm super excited about. um, And we'll get into it in this episode because it kind of leads into it. So I'll just like naturally let it happen and not ruin it. But um, this is exciting. Either way, this fourth part, I think is, I don't know. They've all been pretty interesting to me in different ways. But I think that this fourth part is, I don't know, the most... uh, the most interesting so far because I just feel really really I don't know I feel really well versed and connected to this couple now I feel like I really get Justin and Selena I better at this point um I think I get them more than they get themselves I think I fully understand the nuances the ups and downs the ins and outs of this relationship and I I don't know. I just, I look at them both completely differently now that I've spent so much time with them. And I'm just excited to get into it. I don't really have any housekeeping to do. I hope that you guys are staying safe. I hope that you are not being an idiot and trying to go outside and trying to like go to fucking MTV Spring Break Cancun or whatever. Um, Obviously the world is just so fucking scary right now. And as somebody who loves horror movies, it's like, I do kind of feel like I've been preparing for this moment my entire life. I love a quarantine movie. I love an outbreak movie. I love an apocalypse movie, but I never knew that I was planning for my fucking future, for my, like, spring. I didn't know. But I am here to take your mind off of it. That is the whole point. I hope that you're, like, I hope that you're still consuming consuming things. I hope that you're not just, like, rocking back and forth in your home all day reading depressing news 
it's really hard to avoid it. So I, I hope that this, like, I don't know. I hope that this helps you escape for an hour or however long this is going to go. I took 20 pages of notes, so you'll probably be here for a little bit longer than an hour. But in episode three, we focused primarily on 2014 and how destructive, but also very formative this year was for both of them. And I'd said previously that I think genuine Justin fans look at this year of his life as the year everything kind of went downhill for him. Um, I think people would say the same thing about Selena if her shit was as public and out there. But Selena has done a much better job throughout her career of controlling her narrative and, you know, at least wanting people to continue liking her. Justin went through a phase where his fans, his money, his management, his family, like his friends, all of it was expendable to him. I almost feel like he was like pushing the line to see just how expendable things were. You know what I mean? Like, what will the consequences really be if I make this horrific decision publicly? Will anything really ever happen to me? You know, if I'm a monster, will I ever actually get in trouble? And, uh, you know, the short-term answer to that, of course, is no. I think it's taken him years to realize that in his situation, it's the long-term effect that you want to focus more on, right? Because <laughs> the short-term means nothing, but the long-term has had some lasting effects. The long-term results of his lifestyle have led to, you know... The Justin that you see before you today, this like broken man, this like socially incapable drug addict with no adult life skills who finds solace in a fucking mega cult church. And something that I, I kind of forgot to touch on, which is shocking because it was something that I was really excited to talk about, but I just forgot, was Spring Breakers, which was released in 2012. And it's credited as being, you know, a really defining moment in Selena Gomez's life because it's when her issues with drugs really took off and continued to kind of spiral out of control. And I'm talking like, you know, cocaine, not like weed and, and drinking, even though her drinking was on a completely different level after doing that film. And looking back, like that movie was such a recipe for disaster. Like what a nightmare. Um... There's a lot of blind items written about the filming of that movie and about how predatorial James Franco was during that time, of course, how invested he was, you know, in obviously having sex with these, like, young, slutty, fucking drugged out, broken dolls he was surrounded by, and, uh, you know, that the girls had become this collective train wreck during the filming of that movie. They were all, like, teaching each other how to do things. Um, I forget who it was on set that taught Selena how to do coke, but that's a, a rumor that's very, like, long-standing that she learned how to do cocaine on the set of, uh, of Spring Breakers. And, um, you know, this isn't something that I want to, like, stay on forever, but it's just, like, worth mentioning. I just forgot to, to, uh, to bring it up last week. And one of the other really interesting things about late 2014, early 2015 is that this is when Justin and Haley really became constants in each other's lives. 
they had obviously known each other for years, but they started really like hooking up a lot and stuff. And I think kind of laying the groundwork for what would become their marriage years later. I also wanted to point out to you guys that this week is going to be a little bit more music heavy because I think that this is when you could say Justin had made his official crossover as an artist that everyone collectively listened to. Like he was no longer considered to be a guilty pleasure. Purpose was an album that bled over into all demographics. And I would even be bold and say it's his career defining album, which leads me to something that I've wanted to fill you guys in on for a while. And that was, this is the thing that I was talking about earlier. It's about content. Um, so I actually already kind of have a couple episodes planned that I know you're going to be obsessed with, but I'm toying with the idea of doing some album reviews, going back with someone or alone and really deep diving into an album and all of the interesting shit that went into the recording of it, how it sold, less of like a track by track review and more of like a verbal kind of thing, PC kind of thing. Cause I always find myself like wanting to talk more about music when we get into that section of somebody's life. But I've got to hold back because as I always say, we have a job to do. So I figured why not just like fully go for E and, uh, yeah, I've, I've got a really fun episode planned with Russ. Um, I'm bringing Christina Laske back to do an episode with me. It's going to be super fun. I've got a really, really good list of albums that I want to do. Like old school albums. I'm talking like In This Skin by Jessica Simpson, Tattoo. Um, like just, it's going to be good. Um, I thought of it because I was like reading, I was reading something about Madonna. It was, it was like some kind of like BuzzFeed think piece about Madonna and they were talking about uh, how in her Like a Virgin, or no, yeah, it was a, no, Like a Prayer. In her Like a Prayer album, she included condoms for the gay community and because the AIDS epidemic was crazy and that the album smelled like patchouli to incorporate the Catholic Church. And I was like, this is something that I should, I, like, I want to talk about this extensively, not for like 10 minutes. So that's something that you have to look forward to. It's one of the things that I was like kind of excited to, to end this because I want to record an episode. So I think I'm going to drop one of those next week, actually, which I'm really excited about. There's a really, really good one planned, an album that I've brought up on this podcast many times. And no, it's not Britney. How dare you? But it will be eventually or whatever. Um, anyway, I want to start this week with Justin. I don't know if we've started with Justin every week because I can't keep track at this point, but... It is what it is. And the reason I'm so eager to talk about Justin is because not only is late 2014 the year he starts necking with fellow Christian Haley Baldwin, but it's also the beginning of Justin's current spiritual journey, a journey he's been on since he was a child, by the way. Don't get it twisted. Justin has been prepared for the return of Jesus since before he became a star but there's a reason his album is titled Purpose, and it's because he found his. Now, if you recall, in the end of the last episode, we spoke about Justin and Selena being forever on again, off again, and I'm going to continue referring to it as on again, off again, because I'm not 100% convinced that they'll never hook up again. You know what I mean? I'm also not convinced that this marriage will last forever. I don't know why. There's something that, you know, 
leads me to believe that they're they could break up at some point but in the end of 2014 they were very much off selena and justin were donezo if you will (laughs) in november of 2014 justin Haley, and kendall jenner were spotted together at hillsong church um for the first time and these photos obviously sparked rumors that they were dating around the same time justin had also unfollowed selena on social media which added fuel to the fire they of course denied any relationship rumors which if you would put yourself in the minds of the general public at this time like if you will if you would be so kind we had seen justin go through a slew of all these like models and random girls this was also around the same time by the way that it was rumored that he was fucking courtney kardashian which like have we ever confirmed if that actually happened have all the the Kardashian Jenners just like fucked Justin Bieber in like a weird transitional time when he was like becoming really hot? Like, is that a thing that happened? Did Courtney Kardashian really fuck Justin Bieber? Uh, Kendall was also allegedly fucking him, and you know he was in a very pure like fuckboy phase because he didn't have to pretend to be faithful to his girlfriend. Haley told E! News, I've known him since I was so young, since I was like 13, and we've been good friends over the years. The 18-year-old explained, we've just stayed close and there's nothing more to it than that. And Justin also posted a photo of them together on his Instagram, and the caption said, people are crazy, I'm super single, and this is my good friend, you would know otherwise. Now, the time has finally come, not for us to lip sync for our lives, but to talk about the hill song church this is a christian podcast and i'm finally diving into something authentically christian for the first time finally and uh i'm finally doing something that isn't for the flesh and i'm very excited about it i thought about doing this at the beginning but then i was like ah, too soon because i wanted to talk about it around the same time that purpose era happens like i wanted that to all kind of be together also by the way can i just say before we get into this I'm recording this from, like, a weird part of my apartment for reasons that are just, like, not worth talking about. And I'm closer to a window. And with that comes cars. And I'm just saying, you may hear a car or two in the background. I hope that it's not distracting. Anyway, according to the Hillsong Church website, they are a contemporary Christian church. And it says that they were overwhelmed by the gift of salvation that they have found in Jesus. They said, we have a heart for authentic worship, are passionate about the local church, and are are on a mission to see God's kingdom established across the earth. Now, what you may or may not know about this church is that it was established in Australia. This is an Australian-based religion. Uh, It came about in the 80s. It was created by two men named Bobby and Brian Houston. And today, one of the most well-known pastors is a man named Carl Lentz. He's been featured in GQ. Um, He's had think pieces written about him by like Vice. He is the definition of like a new agey church leader. You know, he also has really deep rooted connections to Hollywood. All these like NBA stars like Carmelo Anthony and Kevin Durant because he played basketball in college and became the in-house pastor for the Knicks which I didn't even know was a thing. I didn't know a sports team had in-house 
preachers. Um, like, he baptized Kevin Durant on the spot during some church event. Like, just said, like, Kevin Durant, get up here, and, like, dunked him in water. And Hillsong is, in fact, a celebrity church. They make no qualms about it. They cater to celebrities. They have a celebrity section of the church that they can go to and feel safe in. Um, their church events are written about, like, Hollywood parties because so many people go. And in a GQ article written about him, Carl said, people say we cater to celebrities. And I say, yes, we do. Celebrities deserve a relationship with God. Celebrities deserve a place to pray. So do all of God's children. You guys, let's take a quick, a little commercial break. Hello, friends. It's me, Troy McEady, your emotional spirit guide, with another weekly reminder that you 100% should be playing my favorite puzzle game right now more than ever. That's right, guys and gals, I am partnering again with Best Fiends to spread my message and I will not be silenced. You either already love challenging puzzle games or maybe you think you don't love them because you haven't played Best Fiends. Not only is the design of the game bright and visually eye-popping, but it's fun to play for all ages. It's also mentally stimulating, but simple enough that pretty much anyone can play. Remember pre-quarantine when I gloated about being at level 150? That was the old me. Quarantine me is approaching level 400 and there's no end in sight on account of I can't leave my house and this is one of the most mentally stimulating things that I have right now. The thing I love the most about this game is that it doesn't require an internet connection, so you can basically play wherever you want. It also updates monthly, so there's always some new level or event to enjoy. Engage your brain with fun puzzles and collect tons of cute characters. Trust me, with over 100 million downloads, this five-star rated mobile puzzle game is a must-play. Download Best Fiends free on the Apple App Store or Google Play. That's friends without the R, Best Fiends. And in the same GQ article, they refer to Hillsong as the nation's first genuinely cool church in the sense that they have a, they have a very like seen or be seen culture. Like it, it literally is like showing up to some sort of like red carpet event to go to this church. And Pastor Carl is known as the hipster pastor. Um, he's always like taking selfies with celebrities and their music is very like top 40s chill edm you know christian soft rock and um they also own a music label and a music group that they make a ton of music uh, of money from now justin became super close to carl sometime around 10 years ago and while i have your ear i'd like to tell you the story of how this friendship um kind of formed and, and became this wild thing that it is now so 10 years ago this guy named uh, Judah Smith, who uh, just so happens to be the spiritual leader of the Seattle Seahawks. I'm discovering today 
that every sports team has their own personal Jesus, which I love. Um, so this guy called Carl and said, I have a young boy that really needs your help. Um, he's in a, a really bad way. And Carl, of course, said, where is he? Because it's Carl's mission to help people. And that boy, of course, was Justin Bieber. It was um, at this point that Carl became Justin's kind of like right-hand man, confidant, personal life coach, God warrior, etc. Now, fast forward four years, Justin is now living at Carl's house because he wanted to de detox himself from drugs and sex and partying and all things in between. So Carl also said that during this time, he was seeing these horrible stories written about Justin, you know, about him like going out and having these crazy nights with people and hooking up with celebrities, um, you know, having these like really debaucherous evenings when really, you know, Justin was like at Carl's house watching TV or doing something wholesome. Now, according to Carl, one random day, Justin stood up, he walked over to the bathroom, he got on his knees and scream sobbed. And uh, he said that Justin became, in quotes, ravaged by the feelings of loss and, quote, overcome by his gospel. So he started begging Jesus to forgive him. And in his exact words, he said, I want to know Jesus. So Justin, who he calls Buckaroo, then said, baptize me now. And when Carl responded and said, no, we can schedule a time, Justin replied, no, I need it now. Baptize me, please. So Carl saw salvation in Justin's eyes and thought, I will do it. That led Pastor Carl to um, Pastor Luke of the Seattle Seahawks. Um, they got in the church SUV and drove him to a Manhattan hotel, which is where Hillsong rents the pool to baptize people, which is ironic. Like the same hotel that people are like probably doing coke around and fucking in. They also like baptize in as well. But the only problem was that someone had tipped off the paparazzi and told them that they were going there, or like what they were doing. So there was a swarm of people that showed up at the hotel. They also tried to visit a friend's apartment complex. That didn't work out either because people were there waiting for them. So they ended up calling Tyson Chandler of the New York Knicks at 2 a.m. and said, yo, bro, I'm with JB and he's feeling the rapture. He wants to get baptized. Tyson's pool was unfortunately closed, but turns out that Tyson has a, sorry, there's a fucking semi going by. I'll never record here again, I promise. Anyway, Tyson has a bathroom that is made to scale and he just so happens to be seven feet tall. So Justin ended up getting baptized in this massive bathtub while Tyson's wife made them food um, and Justin emerged a new man. Now, Justin and Carl have had fallings out sort of publicly, which we'll probably get to a little bit later. But I just wanted to give you the rundown of what this church's culture is like and what, you know, why the young celebrities flock to it. But it should also be stated that they struggle with all of the same, like, hot button issues as any normal church. They are, of course, against abortion and they're super homophobic. Um, in 2015, two gay men, uh, they actually were, like, 
church choir directors or something. They were men like in the church choir. They got engaged and the church had to issue a statement so that their members wouldn't confuse the beliefs of these two men with the beliefs of Hillsong. Carl released a statement on his website saying that he was in complete shock and that Hillsong's position on homosexuality and gay marriage was not changed and is consistent with scripture. So the two former members were asked to step down, um, but were offered to attend the church still. So they weren't allowed to be a real part of the church, but could show up to it if they want and not whatever. It's not even worth getting into. Um, So he basically tells the press that he doesn't hate gay people, but he thinks they'll burn in hell essentially and wants nothing to do with them in his personal life. Um, He also says they fear that making public statements about their beliefs is what detours young people from organized religion, which is fucking insane. Also, by the way, they do conversion therapy. So basically what he's saying is we don't accept gay people. If you're gay, we don't really want you here, but you can show up. We're not going to turn you away. And we don't want to be too public about that because we have an image as an accepting church because young people come here. We don't want young people to know that we don't actually accept all of them. It's fucking absurd. The other thing that makes them no different than an organized church is their hypocrisy, because in Australia, it was discovered that the church was riddled with child sex abuse cases, oh yes, admitted to by the former leaders and creators of the church. Um, They admitted to basically having attraction and molesting children that were attending the church. And after they admitted it, they were required to go through, quote, child protection training for pastors to help guide them towards not molesting, to fight their urges. So you have to love like a homophobic pastor who founds a church with homophobic rhetoric, but then fucks children. I guess it's a tale as old as time. (laughs) Uh, They're no different than the Catholic Church or whatever. They also, by the way, have literally thousands of people who have confirmed that the church is a cult uh, for years. And I mean, it's really similar to Scientology in that sense. They have former members who have written tell-all books exposing them for how terribly they treat people, um, that they exploit their members for free labor, much like Sea Org. Um, the entire church hinges on you thinking that they're this fun, cool, hip, young church. Um, and with that, they make a hundred million dollars a year in capital. The pastors, of course, don't take a vow of poverty. So they're able to earn revenue from the church, which is why Carl loves to show off his expensive gold chains and all of his designer clothes on Instagram Um, He's like a fashion queen pastor because he's fucking loaded. They also do love offerings and shit for speaking appearances. So, you know, if they're asked to come speak or do like a seminar or something, they can earn anywhere from $30,000 to $40,000 a pop in just a single love offering. So you can imagine what the fucking love plate or whatever it's called looks like when it's passed around to 60,000 people in a church. As a side note, Kate Gosselin just woke up from a deep sleep and she's covered in cold sweats. 
the creator of the love fund woke up on the other side of the country and said, not on my watch. <laughs> oh, anyway, it should also be noted that Scooter Braun is suddenly nowhere to be found. Uh, in 2017, he actually did an interview where he confirmed that he had failed Justin in 2014. He said, at the end of the day, I failed. It was up to me for a year and a half, um, and none of this would have happened. For a year and a half, I tried everything, and I failed, because he was still in that very dark place. Justin called me and said, enough is enough. I need to make a change. He asked me for help, because uh, I had been doing research and had uh, the resources to do so. So it's like, aka, Justin was spiraling. He was fucking cracked out of his mind. He called you and said, I want to get sober. You had been planning some sort of intervention or rehab for him, and you had the money and the resources or whatever to do it or whatever, blah, blah, blah. But it is funny, like, it's not funny, it's sad, like, watching Justin kind of jump back and forth between these, like, male figures in his life, these, like, mentors who are not his dad. Um... It should also be noted that during this transitional time for him, where he's like found Jesus and he's getting rid of toxic people in his life, Haley is by his side hardcore during this time. And I think most people would assume, you know, the songs on purpose are about Selena, but I would actually venture to say that the happy songs on that album about being in a loving relationship are about Haley. Now, let's pop over to Selena for a second and see what she's been up to in 2015 since uh, her and Justin are no longer together. I have some interesting stuff to share with you about their relationship timeline that I'm, I, 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 I find kind of off. So in January of 2015, Selena posted a photo of herself in the studio, which she later delete, deleted. And a few minutes later, Zed posted a photo of her in the studio with him, which obviously led fans to believe that they were hooking up. And it's so funny to me, like no matter how knowledgeable we get when it comes to social media and the internet in general and the way celebrities use it, we're still so easily, like easily led into things. Like we literally are lab rats. We're idiots. A celebrity posts a very obvious attention-seeking photo and then deletes it something that her and justin do all the time deletes it knowing that it's already been screen screen grabbed by thousands of people and we take the bait and we run <laughs> we found us a lovely piece of cheese and now we just need to get out of this maze so we can eat it that's very us then in february zed posted a photo of selena in his bed with like an inside joke caption that said, oh, hi, darling, the room, hashtag the room, hashtag the room, hashtag the room, hashtag the room. We'll never know. Um, he finally, <laughs> dumb, he finally opened up about their relationship in February and it took him a whole two months. I'm, I'm proud of him, but he said it was about as random as it gets. I had the day off and decided to go buy stuff from my house and I had to pee. I had my engineer with me and he was like, just go over to the studio and pee over there. They have a bathroom. Just go use that, which was across the street. So I walk in and the head of our label who had just signed Selena was there. And he was like, have you met Selena? Then like a week later, we start working on a song together all because I had to pee. And in Selena's first public admission of their relationship, she said, 
He's this cute little German and he's got really beautiful eyes and he's very sweet and funny. I respect his vision because he's had a way of knowing or he has a way of knowing how important this role is uh, as an EDM artist. And he doesn't spend most of his time traveling the world DJing. He's great. He's very talented. And I met him when we were recording using the same building and he uh, needed to use my bathroom. We ended up talking, sharing music, and it just happened very organically. And the inevitable comparisons to Justin started as soon as they confirmed that they were dating. And if you believe public statements made on behalf of artists by sources, um, he just couldn't deal with the fact that Justin was on her mind. He knew that Justin was her one true love and he would always come second to the man she really wanted to be with. Um, it was also reported that he was feeling pressure from the fact that, you know, before dating her, he was like kind of anonymous. Like people knew who he was. He was making money, but nobody really cared about his personal life. Up to that point, he was living that very like 2015 world famous DJ life that we all know very well now. Um, and then people started to pry, of course, because he was dating a tabloid darling. And here's what I'll say about this. Much like Britney and Justin, you have to always keep the thought in the forefront of your mind that the story of Justin and Selena being this like, will they, won't they is extremely profitable for both, for both of them, for both parties, for both teams, for everybody involved. It's something they've exploited to sell albums for years. I think that Selena has used it more unapologetically in a really smart way. Instead of acting out and, you know, racing cars in residential neighborhoods and shit, she chose to lean into her role as this heartbroken, vulnerable damsel. And we've talked about the fact that the true villain in their relationship depends on the year. Um... It's also no secret that Selena is notorious for using her relationships as a part of the marketing for like a song or an album or something that she has coming out. And I wouldn't say that I don't believe she actually dated Zed. Like I definitely think that they were in a relationship, but I also think she was more excited than she would ever admit to let the world know that they were in a relationship. You know what I mean? She was excited to tell people and like, more power to her. People exploit relationships in much grosser ways in Hollywood. And I'm not mad at it. Go for it, girl. Do you. Flaunt your man. You know what I mean? But I just think that Selena is like very calculated in a really smart way. Now, I think for Justin Bieber fans, 2015 remains this like, I don't know, this like beacon of lightning in a bottle, hope and happiness. You know what I mean? Because he had this massive comeback. Every single he released was undeniably incredible and felt not only career-defining, but defining as the best of what was happening in mainstream pop music at that time. The EDM sound had come to this massive head that really, to be honest, like needed to be popped. Everything was starting to sound really generic and you know the same as the thing that you had heard before it. But then, what do you mean happened? And we were all collectively the confused white guy gif. It's like, huh. <laughs> like, there is more to be done with this sound that actually feels really new and creative and innovative and, like, really cool. 
Um, the imagery felt right. His styling at the time felt very right. He looked the best that we had ever seen him look up to that point. Um, ever. And I think it's still the hands down the best Justin Bieber's ever looked. And I'm also not going to sleep on the fact that his style sort of became like the cool guy, like douchebag uniform at that time. Ripped up skinny jeans, sneakers in the style of Yeezys, a tall t-shirt or like a tall tank top, and then some version of like an oversized flannel or hoodie or jacket or whatever. Like Justin's style at that time was wildly influential. Whether men know that or want to admit it or whatever, just know that what you were wearing in 2015 probably was cooked up by Justin Bieber. You had that on top of the fact that his music had officially crossed over. Men, women, young, old, black, gay, white, straight, whatever. It didn't matter. Everybody was listening to Sorry and Love Yourself and What Do You Mean? I don't care who you were. It reminds me a lot of when Justin Timberlake released Future Sex Love Sounds and his fate as an official crossover was sealed because straight men were able to finally admit that they liked Justin Timberlake or whatever. Because you know that that's like the end-all be-all because in the eyes of most straight men, an artist is officially okay to be taken seriously as an artist once straight guys feel comfortable enough to claim them publicly. Then all of a sudden, it's a real artist. It's not just like, some dumb shit that like gay men and women like no this is a this is actually real this is good <laughs> but i actually think i may save all the fun stuff for an album review episode um that we talked about earlier they'll basically be what you're you what you've heard from me before and what you're hearing right now um but just like you know more detailed and a lot longer i'm really 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 excited to get into that like i'm Ugh, the hairs on my arms are standing up thinking about it. I'm so excited. Anyway, what I will say right now about the entire album is that the whole thing is about Justin's journey to self-discovery, sobriety, finding God, his new relationship, his ex. Um, in Love Yourself, he references something you and I kind of spoke about last, um, and well, not last week, but in the last episode, uh, he has a lyric in the first verse where he says, you think you you think you broke your heart, oh girl, for goodness sake. You think I'm crying all alone. Well, I ain't. Um, which a lot of people believe is a reference to uh, Selena making fun of him on David Letterman and that video kind of becoming very viral of her saying that she made him cry. And, you know, there's a lot of fun, like nuanced stuff happening in that album that if you follow their whole story, you'll actually find very interesting. It's a perfect album to revisit now that we've been on this journey. And I also think his fans connected to it in a way that they hadn't connected to his music before because it was so honest and it was so raw and it felt so genuine. Um, Pitchfork actually called it an act of repositioning, which is incredibly accurate. And, you know, everything he's released so far in 2020 has been compared to this album and not in a good way. And you know that that's, that's like, I say this all the time, like that's when you know that an artist has released like their, uh, I don't know, like their namesake album, because everything he does now is going to be 
compared to this. This is his like ray of light. It's his jagged little pill. You know, Purpose is his best work. I don't think we'll get anything better from him than this. And if what he's been releasing recently is a sign of what is to come, it ain't looking too good. For the remainder of 2015, you saw Justin really leaning into what I think he believed his new life would be, being kind of sober, more sober than not, you know, dating this Christian girl who believes in all the same shit that he believes in about going to heaven or whatever, and, you know, setting what he would consider to be healthy boundaries with his fans, with fame. Do you remember this was around the same time that he publicly said that he wasn't going to be taking any more selfies because it was emotionally draining and the media like made fun of him for it, that whole thing. And I will say, I genuinely believe that Haley was and is really good for him. I really do. Based on what I've read, you know, she really does practice all the shit that she claims. And I think that she's a positive figure in his life. But unfortunately, Selena was still kind of in sort of the same like never-ending spiral of partying her ass off and dipping her toe into sobriety for short periods of time and leaning on substances to kind of remove other substances from her life. You know, it's like, I don't want to do coke anymore, so I'm going to smoke a bunch of cigarettes and I'm not going to drink anymore, so I'm going to do more pills and, you know, that whole thing that so many celebrities kind of fall into. Um, you know, she was seen yachting with people like Cara Delevingne. And being with Cara Delevingne when you're trying to stay sober is never a good thing. You know, and also, by the way, as a side note, is there any woman in Hollywood that Cara Delevingne can't turn? Is there any woman, dead or alive, who wouldn't sleep with Cara Delevingne? Because apparently the world is her buffet. God, like it really pays to be born beautiful, wealthy, and sexually liberated. My God. But there are photos of um, of Demi. What? <laughs> there are photos of Selena Gomez with Cara Delevingne on yachts. Like they're super intimate. They're very passionate. Like they are literally making out in some of them. Cara's like holding her. Like they were fucking on this yacht for sure. Probably doing a lot of coke. I also forgot to mention that at the end of 2015, around November, Justin and Selena were spotted hanging out together in the bar of the Montage Hotel in Beverly Hills, and a fan posted a video on Instagram of Justin serenading her um, to My Girl by The Temptations on the piano. A full-on performance, like belting for the people in this little, this tiny little bar. Um, he also sang Sorry and took pictures of everybody there. Um, and you can tell, like, when you look at pictures of him from this time, you can tell he's on, like, this Jesus high. Like, he's feeling his oats, he is feeling nature, he's feeling God, he is feeling the universe. Like, he's really, really happy and excited. He told Access Hollywood, Selena is someone I love dearly. I'm never going to stop loving her. I'm never going to stop checking in on her. We will always, we've always respected each other, and we will always respect each other. I think we both got to do some soul searching ourselves and figure out ourselves before we can just try to figure out each other. Then a few months later, a video of her uh, went viral asking a fan to hand her a sign that the fan had made that said, Mary Justin. 
and she crumpled it up and threw it down on stage. So you can see, you know, just on the surface, how dark this like codependency is that these two have with each other. Um, This sort of like, I don't know, like manic up and down that they have where they're really, really happy and obsessed with each other for like a week. And then they despise each other and are publicly saying all this crazy shit about each other. It's just, it's really dark. And this actually leads to one of the weirdest, like, little celebrity feud moments ever. So in August of 2016, Justin was very publicly dating Sophia Ritchie, which fans were not happy about at all, to say the least. The comments on his photos were super, super negative. Um, You know, he threatened to delete his Instagram or make it private if people didn't stop leaving hate comments and being mean. Um, He said, this is getting out of control. If you guys really are my fans and you wouldn't be so mean to people that I like. So Selena commented on a black and white photo that he had posted of Sophia and said, if you can't handle the hate, then stop posting pictures of your girlfriend. It shouldn't be, it should be special between you two only. Don't be mad at your fans. They love you and they supported you before anyone else ever did. And Justin responded and said, it's funny to see people who people that used me for attention and still try to point the finger this way. Now, look, I'm not trying to like toot my own horn or pat myself on the back or whatever. But like, you know, toot, toot, pat, pat or whatever, because this is what I've been saying for a month. Justin just confirmed my thoughts that I think. Selena and Justin mutually use each other for fame at times. But I think Selena depends more on her relationship with Justin to remain relevant than he does. I I think it's more the case for her. I think that Selena depends on relationships for relevancy just in general. Whereas Justin has always been this like tiny bit more famous than her, no matter what. Just enough that he has to try just like the tiniest bit less than her. Justin could literally release an album of like balloons popping and people would write think pieces about it. Whereas Selena has never fully crossed over in the same way that he did with Purpose. And I would say that that was the case even when they were kids. Um, But she was always a little bit more reliant on his fame than he was on hers. I guess that's what I'm saying. I think she trails him by like a foot, if that makes sense. It's not by much, but it's like just enough that she does sort of need to pull stunts that he doesn't need to pull, which is a really weird thing because it's like, They grew up together. They became famous together. They have been in this relationship since the first month of their fame. But he's always been this tiny step ahead of her. It's just interesting. So in January of 2017, she started dating The Weeknd. Remember we talked about them doing like the staged photo op outside of a restaurant where um, she was playing his single on her phone while they filmed them. Um, they introduced the world to their relationship at the Met Gala. She told Ryan Seacrest it was 
really hard, you know, hiding it from the world because they're so in love, blah, blah, blah. And they ended up, okay. Sorry, there's just a cement truck going by. They must not know I'm recording. Um, but they ended up being together for 10 months. Now, I want to circle back to something that we kind of touched on in our last episode. But we're going to delve a little bit deeper into it now. And that is Selena Gomez getting this very controversial kidney transplant in 2017. We spoke about Selena being diagnosed with lupus and her going to a rehabilitation clinic for being sleepy or whatever, as her team would like you to believe. And they told the press that she had been working consecutively for six months, I'm sorry, for six years and needed a place to sleep, basically. So she went to a rehab. Like, that's literally the story that we were told. They also said the stress of her career had caused her lupus to flare. And that was why she went to this place to go sleep. So on December 14th of 2017, Selena posted a photo on her Instagram, several photos actually, of her laying in a hospital bed next to someone and a scar across her stomach. And she posted a caption basically saying, you know, explaining why she had been MIA for the whole summer. Um, She explained that her friend had gifted her a kidney and that she couldn't wait to share the full journey with her fans. Now, here's where things get messy. I don't think, for the record, I don't think anyone doesn't believe that Selena Gomez has lupus. I think you'd have to be pretty fucking psychotic to think you can say definitively whether somebody does or doesn't have a disease like lupus. We don't have access to Selena Gomez's medical files, so who knows? I believe that she does have lupus for sure. The hospital, by the way, also wouldn't just like slice her open for the gram. Like she literally had surgery. There are a lot of people who don't believe she didn't or she has ever had lupus, which I think is insane. But I do think the details surrounding her lupus and the way her lupus has been used as a blanket excuse in the past is very weird. I think Helen Keller would agree that it was fishy. I mean, it's very obvious. And it's fishy because we know about her issues with addiction. You have this girl who has said publicly that her lupus could very easily kill her and that too much stress on her body could lead to some really serious complications, including a stroke. But if you read anything aside from like People magazine, you would know that Selena chain smokes the fuck out of a cigarette. She drinks like a fucking fish. She loves pills and has a major addiction to cocaine. So naturally, it leads people to scratch their heads and say, huh. You know what I mean? And what I'm trying to say, what I don't have the balls to just speak into existence without explaining myself to Helen back, is that many people believe years of like wrecking her body with substances had more to do with her needing the surgery than her actual lupus. And it didn't help that after the surgery, she was photographed smoking and drinking a lot. It's not good. 
It's not a good look. You know what I mean? It's just all very messy and fishy. In October, she and Justin were spending a lot of time together. They were seen riding bikes. They were photographed having breakfast at a cafe in Westlake Village. Selena went to one of his hockey games and cheered him on while she was wearing his jersey. They were going to church together regularly. In a nutshell, they were being an all-around good, wholesome Christian couple. A source told People Magazine, oh, sorry, a little hiccup moment. I'm not editing that out. It was vulnerable. It's me being raw. Justin is happy Selena is single. He hopes to, he hopes to regain her trust so that they can get back together. Uh, though nothing was official, Bieber was apparently determined to win back her heart. They have so much to catch up on, says the source. Uh, they dealt with things separately this year that uh, made them different people. It wouldn't be surprising if they got back together eventually. People Magazine also reported that Selena and her mom were no longer on speaking terms because of her relationship with Justin. Apparently, Selena's mom wanted her to cut ties with him, and she refused, which led to them unfollowing each other on Instagram. Like, can you think of anything more petty than your parent unfollowing you on Instagram publicly to, like, show people that they're mad at you? Like, girl. It was also reported by people that Pastor Carl was helping guide Justin and Selena on their relationship journey and help them avoid patterns. Um, The same source said, uh, despite reports, the reunited pair, uh, who still aren't officially boyfriend and girlfriend, are undergoing couples counseling. The singers are just working on their relationship with the church's help. They don't want to repeat the same patterns as before. Uh, They've clearly had issues in the past, so they're receiving some guidance from Carl. And in February of 2018, Justin picked her up in a plane um, and they flew to, he picked her up in Texas and they flew to Jamaica for his dad's wedding. And that same weekend, they were photographed celebrating Valentine's Day together at church. And I guess you could say they made their recoupling official in March on Justin's birthday. Um, She posted a photo of herself with Polaroids uh, of Justin stuck to her forehead with the caption, March 1st, 1994, someone I know that happens to be super cool was born. Boom. And that same month, they were spotted at the same church service, but were not sitting together. Literally, like, weeks later. This time, People Magazine said, they weren't getting along and decided to take a break. It doesn't seem like a big deal, and they'll probably be fine soon. Again. Now, we're going to end the episode by talking about the current state of their relationship and Selena's public image more so. Um, They obviously never got back together and Justin leaned into his relationship with Haley, who he is now, of course, married to. And I know that you guys want the Haley and Justin episode. I, you know, like I said, I've gotten the DMs. I, I know. I just, I need a moment. I need like, a week or two to just do something else and recharge and then come back to it. I promise you it is going to happen very soon. But in October of 2019, Selena releases her single lose you to love me. And she told the press, I know many people can relate to the fact that the road to self-discovery generally comes through the scars of one's life. And I really hope that it doesn't sound like I'm just like hating on Selena. I hope that it sounds like the hate was equal because they're both fucking insane. 
And to be honest with you, I look at Selena Gomez as just as much of a victim, if not more at times. You know what I mean? But how ironic is it that we just spoke for like 30 minutes about her needing to use this relationship in order to further every chapter of her career. And here we are again. And let me just reiterate, even though we already spoke about this, that Justin also uses this relationship to further his career. Selena just does it every single step of the way. She's been doing it every step of the way since she was a child. It's crazy. Justin Bieber isn't really reliant on his relationship with Selena Gomez for people to care what he does next. Whereas I think Selena Gomez thinks that people won't care about what she does next unless it features some sort of relationship pain moment about Justin. Um, I wrote down some of the lyrics that are topical. She said, what? <laughs> okay. Um, she said, we'd always go into it blindly. I needed to lose you to find me. This dance, it was killing me softly. Set fire to my purpose and let it burn. An obvious reference to his purpose album. And in two months, you replaced us like it was easy. She also released a follow-up single that was also about Justin called Look At Her Now. And in the song, she says, of course, she was sad, but now she's glad she dodged a bullet. Took a few years to soak up the tears, but look at her now. Watch her go. It was her first real lover, his two till he had another. Oh God, when she found out, trust levels went way down. She later told NPR, I found the strength in it. It's dangerous to stay a victim mentally, and I'm not being disrespectful, but I do feel I was a victim to a certain abuse. And the interviewer asked her if she meant emotional abuse or physical, and she said, yes, emotional. Um, she also said, I had to find a way to understand it as an adult. And I had to understand the choices I was making. As much as I definitely don't want to spend the rest of my life talking about this, I am really proud that I can say I feel the strongest I've ever felt. And I found a way to just walk through it with as much grace as possible. And here's what I will say. I'm going to end on a positive and a bad note. <clears throat> the positive is that, of course, she would. I mean, it only makes sense at this point that she would say something about it. It would have been much more impactful had she not done a song, songs like this every album cycle for the past, what, 12 years or whatever, how long it's been since they've been dating? Um, you know, the punch isn't really there. She had done a song like this on her last several albums and had these, like, public declarations of being, like, I discovered something about myself through my breakup with Justin Bieber. It's like, well, girl, you guys have broken up 40 fucking times. Like, it's wild. You know, Justin had songs that you could allude that were about her in the past, but his, like, definitive Selena Gomez album, The One, is purpose, and everybody knows that, and that's why it was so impactful. Um, I guess that was the positive. <laughs> the negative is that we all know what happened with Selena Gomez at, what was it, Billboard? Was the the Billboard Awards? <clears throat> she, you know, people were debating, you know, why she couldn't sing and why she was stumbling around and <clears throat> why she looked glazed over and what was going on with her, what was wrong with her. She was fucked up. 
She was drunk or high off of her fucking ass. I think she was drunk. And there's a lot of video footage of Selena before on the red carpet, not able to stand, falling back into the step and repeat like banner, um, having to hold on to like railings to walk the red carpet, completely glazed over, um, just not even really looking like herself. She was super, super bloated, like in her face. It, it, it wasn't her. And I think later in the evening, they tried to like, like there's before, not before and after, but there's like early photos of her on the red carpet. And then there's like photos of her during the event and after. And they like caked all this makeup on her eyes, I think, to try and hide how fucked up she was. But it didn't help. She looked like Jennifer Coolidge. I was like, this isn't Selena Gomez. Like, what? Do you, what? And she staggered around on stage and was fucked up and couldn't finish, could barely finish the song. And how ironic that the song literally has lyrics about her singing off key. It's like, fuck, dude. It's just dark and sad. And I wish that I was ending this on a happier note for Selena. I don't know what's to come for her. I really don't. I don't know if Haley and Justin will stay together. I don't know if Selena and Justin will get back together one day. You know, I do think that there is a world where Haley and Justin, like, don't make it, like, years later. And when they're a little bit older, Justin and Selena, like, go back to each other for, you know, maybe one last, like, go around or whatever. But who's to say? Um, I don't think I have anything else to add. I am happy to put this to rest. When I saw that I was approaching 2019, I, I'm not going to lie to you. I got really, really excited. I was like, fuck me. Yes. And again, just to reiterate, we are going to do Haley and, and Justin. I'm just, I'm putting an end to this right now for a little while. I have to. And uh, yeah, I love you. I think that one of the first um, like music episodes is going to come out next week. There is a bonus episode also scheduled with Brandon. Um that's going to be coming out in the next couple days. I'm not really sure when, but I love you guys. And my throat hurts now, of course, because duh. And uh, I will talk to you later. Bye. Thank you for listening to Dunzo. This podcast is a part of the Solid Listen Network. Please take a moment to rate, review, and subscribe if you haven't already. Also be sure to check out our Patreon at patreon.com slash solid listen for exclusive content. You can follow me on Twitter at Troy McGee, and you can follow the podcast on all forms of social media at DunzoPod. That's D-U-N-Z-O. Thank you to executive producer Molly McAleer and coordinating producer Nicole Matthew. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.